In this episode, we consider what happens when you have to go back to the drawing board and reinvent your culture and processes. My guest this time is Dr. Philip Mead, co-founder of Gallagher Edge, and he's also Associate Director, Spaceport Integration and Services at NASA Kennedy Space Center. After the 2003 Space Shuttle Columbia explosion, Dr. Mead was tasked with revitalizing the culture at NASA. Listen as Dr. Mead talks through why an effective culture is absolutely key to accomplishing overall business goals. Philip also offers tips for business leaders looking to explore culture as a concept, including what are the results for a business of having a high-performing company culture, three habits of excellent leaders, and what it takes to be an employee at NASA, beyond the willingness to be shot into space, of course. Philip, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. I'm very happy to be here. Okay, so let's let's set the context then beyond uh, the, the wee introduction there. Following the, the Space Shuttle Columbia accident, Dr. Mead was asked by Centre Leadership to develop a plan for the organisational and cultural changes necessary for return to flight at Kennedy Space Centre. Serving as the Kennedy Space Centre change manager, Dr. Mead employed some pretty pretty new techniques to align organizational systems, processes, and leadership behaviors to, to drive sustainable change. Dr. Mead developed the strategy and led the implementation of a integrated and comprehensive framework for change management there. And under his leadership, the organizational and cultural changes instituted at the Kennedy Space Center were recognized as the benchmark for the entire agency. I mean, this is so impressive. Philip. Can, can you just start by telling us a bit more? Well, um, after the uh, the Columbia accident, there was a, uh, a pretty involved investigation to determine exactly what caused this to happen. Because obviously, this is not the type of thing that uh, that we, as a as an agency or as you know as a country, wanted to have happening. Um, losing seven astronauts and, and a space shuttle, and so. Um, at the conclusion of this exhaustive um, assessment of of the of the accident and and its root cause analysis, the the accident investigation board um, concluded that the culture and organization of NASA had as much to do with the accident as the uh, foam that fell off the external tank and hit the the shuttle. Um, and so, as a result of this, the space shuttle flight was fleet was grounded. Um, for close to two years, and, and we were uh, told that we weren't allowed to launch again until we fixed those organizational and cultural changes which had uh, led to the accident in the first place. And so uh, that's when I was uh, was asked to, to lead those changes and uh, to figure out how we could uh, answer that and, and ensure that uh, we didn't lose another shuttle, which I'm happy to say we didn't. No, and beyond that, you're you're buddying up with SpaceX, and we're going we're going back to the moon, and we're going to be going to Mars, and uh, I'm I'm very very excited that I'm going to get to see all of this in my lifetime. Um, I'm smiling from ear to ear right now just thinking about it, listeners, because I'm a massive space nerd. Um, hey Philip, it, it's 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 pretty obvious, I guess, that everybody wants a high performing uh, company culture, but. What are what are some examples of, of the results for a business of having such a a, a high performing culture? Yeah, you know, what what are some of those tangible results that you could point to? So 
So let me first say that uh, when we talk about organizational culture and what we're trying to achieve with it, we, we talk about it as being an effective culture. And an effective culture really has three characteristics to it. The first one is that it produces a high level of employee engagement. Um, the second um, is that it, it really positively impacts the quality of the lives of the employees. And then the third one, which is hugely important, is it's a significant driver of organizational performance and, and market success. And so um, when we talk about what, what are some of the outcomes, when we, the first two is, is just having an organization that is fun to work in, uh, where people enjoy what they're doing, um, where it feels good to, to come into the office and the unnecessary conflict and, uh, and strife is, is not there to, to slow things down. Um, when we talk about the third one, about those business results, though, uh, it's just amazing what that translates into from a bottom line perspective. Well, one study that, that uh, is, is really amazing was done by, by John Cotter, and it's one of the largest ones that was ever done. He looked at 207 companies um, across 22 industries over an 11-year period of time, and he basically categorized those companies into either ones with effective cultures or ineffective cultures. And over that 11 period of time, um, the net income increase for an ineffective culture was only 1% compared to 756% increase in net income for an effective culture. So that's a difference of 755% um, in net income increase between ineffective versus effective cultures. Um, you know, the other, other factors he found was that the stock price increased by more than 827%. Um, for an effective culture versus an ineffective culture, um, and the revenue actually increased by uh, 516%. So it's, it has a very dramatic uh, impact on the bottom line and on a, a company's ability to, to really execute its strategy. Now, in addition to this conversation we're having now, um, I've also interviewed you for the HR chat podcast and on the hr chat show you 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 mentioned um the 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 the, the challenges at nasa are, are somewhat unique and you use an example of you know uh, we're, we're trying to combat the fact that people don't want to take their vacation days <laughs> <laughs> that, yep. that's a pretty that's a pretty unique uh, situation to be in i i expect and that's because nasa is is the best of the best um philip beyond Beyond the willingness to be to be shot into space, what what else does does NASA look for in its employees? Well, one of the things that we we really look for is uh, is a, a willingness to to learn um, and grow, uh, and we also look for individuals who are extremely um, good at working with teams because at NASA the challenges that we face and the, the missions that we execute can't be done um, by a single individual. They are, they are um, the work of teams. And so um, when we bring someone on to, into NASA, um, we want someone who has the ability to, to be an effective team member. And so a lot of that comes down to their, their individual capacity um, for self-awareness um, and the ability to, to realize the impact that they're having on their teammates through their behavior uh, as well as a high degree of self-accountability um, where they are dependable and uh, will actually uh, follow through on the commitments they make and, and help to get things done. 
but we have a high, highly reliable and, and highly functioning uh, team that uh, we can point and ask to go and, and do the near impossible. So in addition to Philip's role at NASA, um, he's also a consultant at, at, at Gallo. And uh, yeah, you, you teach and you consult on this stuff. Um, you're an expert. So in your opinion, in your expert opinion, what, what, are, what are the top three habits of, of excellent leaders? So for me, when, when I talk about a, a leader, um, it's, it's a, not about doing, it's about working through others. And so um, an excellent leader is, is someone who has the ability to, to um, take people to a place that they wouldn't naturally have gone on their own and uh, to accomplish um, greater feats through, through other people. And, and that requires um, that individuals willingly follow you as a leader. Um, any, anything else is, is coercion or, or uh, um, some, some form of, uh, of transaction where you're just uh, buying their, their allegiance. But a true leader has willing followers, and, and followers won't willingly follow you without, uh, without trust. And so that trust um, that you both have the, the character that they, uh, they can trust that you are going to do what you say you're going to do and, and that uh, you have their best intent at heart, um, as well as the, uh, the competence to um, do what you say you're going to do and, and take them on, an, on a successful journey. Those are the keys to, to getting that, um, that willing followership. And so some of the habits associated with that for building trust, um, first and foremost, is uh, a good leader is a good listener. Um, it's not about telling other people all that you know or telling other people what to do. Um, it's about listening to them, listening to what they bring to the table, and learning how you can um, integrate them and use them for their strengths to uh, accomplish great things. Um, and that listening also is a, is a key factor in building trust. Um, another factor, is, another habit is, is um, the willingness to, to be vulnerable, um, to admit that you don't know everything and to, to show that vulnerability to employees so that they realize that you're human um, and this builds that trust as well. And then the, the last thing I, I believe is, is uh, you know, willingness to delegate. Um, because again, if you as the leader are doing everything or you as the leader are, are dictating how everything should be done, you're not truly getting that multiplier effect of a, of a leader where you're, you're working through people and uh, accomplishing more than, than what you can accomplish on your own. So I would say those are the, uh, the three habits that I would point to. By the way, if you were my leader, I'd shut up and listen because you've got a lot of interesting things to say. Right, now then, in every interview we do on this podcast, we like to ask the following question of our, of our guests. Um, so it's a bit more, it's a bit more big blue sky. It's not necessarily, although I suspect it is related to what we've spoken about so far today. Um, and I'm gonna um, put you on a time limit. I'm gonna challenge you to answer in 90 seconds or, or less, Philip. From a, from a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high-performing company mean, or organization, mean to you? You know, Bill, I'm going to go back to the, uh, the, the three aspects of an effective culture that I spoke on earlier. Um, you know, I, I think that an effective organization and an effective culture has, has employees who are, are highly engaged. They, they enjoy what they do. Um, they are happy to come to work. They're 
giving beyond their uh, minimum that's required in order for them to keep their job. They're they're donating that discretionary efforts because they they love what they do. Um, they love who they work with, and there's a synergy that you get from that um, when you put people together on teams who who have that kind of engagement and, and enthusiasm about work. Um, I, I believe it, it positively impacts the quality of, of people's lives because we spend so much time at work. It's such a major part of what we do, um, and it has the ability to fulfill us in ways when we are um, pursuing a purpose that we believe in and, and a company that we believe in and are, are working with, with people that we, we respect and, and trust. Um, it really creates a, a positive um, impact on our lives. and, and studies have shown that it literally has a positive health impact um, and we are healthier and happier individuals when we work in that and then finally i believe that it is absolutely a significant driver of organizational performance that when organizations have have cultures um, that are aligned with their strategy and are truly effective that um, as as we saw from the cotter study it it has the ability to to really ramp things up it's it's similar to uh, pushing a child on a swing, and and when you're pushing in the right time and at the right right um, direction, um, it just naturally helps the, the child to move higher and higher without a whole lot of extra effort going into it. And and that's what a that's what an effective culture feels like as an organization. Wonderful. And finally, for today, how can how can we learn more? How can we learn more about you? How can our listeners connect with you? And also, how can they learn more about Gallagher? So the easiest way to learn more is to go to our website, www.gallagheredge.com. Um, you can connect with us through through the website there. We have a, an online video platform that you can sign up for where you can learn more about uh, the concepts that I talked about today and, and the, the tools and processes that we use to transform organizational culture. Um, and uh, you can look for our book, which will be coming out soon, um, which is uh, The Missing Link. And uh, that should be uh, available this, this September. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, should be coming to Amazon or, or a bookstore near you um, very soon. Well, I don't think we've really spoken about your book yet. So I'll tell you what, let's just take another 30 seconds here. Uh, the Missing Link. Can you, can you <laughs> in 30 seconds, just summarize what people can expect if they, if they go to Amazon and, and get a copy? Sure. So the missing links um, describes our model for culture change, where we, ba based on the work that we did with uh, with NASA at the Kennedy Space Center, we we identified um, that culture is actually an emergent property of an organization, and if you want to intentionally design it or create it, um, the way to do that is to focus on the links between the human beings in your organization to to help them connect in ways that, that produce these emergent properties of maturity, diversity, community, and unity. And uh, and when those uh, when those properties emerge in, in an organization in, in a way that aligns with your strategy, um, you have a, a truly high-performing um, culture. And so we wrote the book, The Missing Links, Launching a High-Performing Company Culture, um, to describe that, uh, that model and that process, as well as uh, give a little bit of background and insight into um, how we came about creating it through the work we did. Wonderful. So that's uh, The Missing Links, and it's on some obscure website called Amazon. I think it's how you pronounce it, listeners. Uh, check it out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Philip Needs, um, I've had a lot of fun with you today. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. 
Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you having me on. And listeners, we'll chat to you again soon. This podcast is supported by Fidelo Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O.com.